As we open the Word of God and look again at the Christmas story. But before we do, you can turn to Galatians chapter 4, as we're going to be looking at a few verses this morning from that text. But uh, uh, Rick mentioned that uh, if we get uh, if we get forty five thousand more dollars than our Lottie Moon Christmas goal, I, I want to let you know that we're going to give a little bit more money to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Okay, we're not going to hold on to that forty five thousand dollars for just Togo only. But uh, but uh, last year we I think received about twelve thousand dollars. And uh, this year our goal is, again, $12,000 again. But uh, we have uh, boots on the ground in Togo, and we send uh, missionary teams to Togo with uh, Garen and Susan. And so we want to help fund that as well. So the first 10 are going to go to uh, Lottie Moon, and then what's over that is going to go to Lottie Moon. But, hey. If we get $45,000 more, more is going to Lottie, okay? Uh, you can trust that for sure. Well, ladies, I want to say thank you for uh, being here on Tuesday morning and helping uh, decorate our facility. You had a cookie exchange and a breakfast and a devotion, but you found time to uh, help us uh, decorate around here, and we so appreciate that. You, you were a blessing. Yes, yeah, show your appreciation to them. And then uh, also I want to mention that uh, we had a dear saint um, that many of you don't know in our, in our family, and her name is Janice Yaki. She went home to be with the Lord um, on Monday. This is a picture of Janice and with her mom, Louise. Louise uh, passed away in 2008, and uh, Louise's husband, Don, um, passed away in 2000. Three, I believe, and uh, Don and Louise were uh, pillars in our church for many, many years, and they had one child in Janice, a very special child, and uh, she was uh, very faithful in our church. She's been in uh, Bella Sara the last uh, few years of her life, and uh, she was um, 61 or 62 when she when she passed away. And so there's going to be a graveside service for her um, on this Friday. And I think it's going to be at 2 o'clock. And uh, if you would uh, like to be in attendance for that, uh, she has two uh, living cousins who live um, in the Newport area, I believe. And, uh, and so I'm working with them in putting together this graveside service. But I uh, want to encourage you to be there if uh, you can for that. All right? Well, um, the Christmas gift, we're looking at uh, this series, uh, this uh, four-week sermon series, and the title of this morning's message is A Gift Worth Waiting For. And, uh, you know, you'll never hear a kid say, can you believe Christmas is already here? They never say that, do they? They're thinking in, the, in their own minds, boy, it took forever for Christmas to be. Now, as adults, what are we saying? I can't believe it's Christmas already. But in a child's mind, uh, it takes uh, forever. And, uh, you know, in, uh, when it came to God's people in the Bible and the Messiah, uh, 
coming on the scene, I'm sure people um, were saying, uh, when is he going to get here? It's taking forever. But, um, you know, when it comes to the things of God and God's plan, God doesn't operate from our calendar, does he? No, he has his own calendar, and we need to be trusting him. He measures time differently than we uh, measure time. You know, Second Peter chapter three verse eight says, "When the Lord, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day." And so we need to be trusting his sovereignty. Um, You know, when it comes to time, God doesn't limit himself to time. Uh, God is outside of time. That's why he says, I am. He is the great I am. He stands, he created time. He He stands outside of time. He is always in the present. You'll never find God saying, I was... Or I shall be. No, he is the great I am. And all time is present before God. Now, as uh, we look at this text this morning, I'm going to get to it in just a moment. I've borrowed one of um, Macy's, my granddaughter's, puzzles. Okay, I've kind of ruined it. Okay, So I'm probably going to owe her another puzzle. But I want, us, I want you to think of the Bible as this puzzle, okay? Now, as we read God's Word, as we know God's Word, most of the puzzle pieces are in place. So I didn't bother to put this puzzle together because it was kind of a cartoonish thing, and I don't want any of us to get distracted. But uh, if we were thinking of the Bible as a puzzle... Um, you know, we would have creation up here at the top, maybe, and that would all be filled in. We, we would have the history of uh, Israel uh, down here, and uh, we, you know, we would have major players and people of the Bible. They, they would all be part of these puzzle pieces. Now, as Christians... Uh, after the resurrection and the New Testament, the New Testament would probably be up here in this corner. And uh, we know that these pieces are all filled in. But there would still be one part of this puzzle that's yet to be filled in. And uh, that would be here, down here in the book of Revelation. Now, as we read the book of Revelation, you know what? God's given us some details of how all that's going to come come into play. And so I don't know if you can see this very well, but this puzzle, puzzle has some indentions here. So we know what the pieces are going to look like, you know, what they're going to be shaped like, but we don't know exactly what they are on the surface. And so as we look at this puzzle... This represents God's sovereignty, okay? And God is sovereign over all things. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 19, 
The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. You know, there's some people who think that God, as God is up in heaven, that they're just watching everything occur, and he's just reacting to situations as human history unfolds. But you know what? That's not the way God is. God understands. God has crafted every single puzzle piece, and he is placing it in his time, in his structure, in his own way, and he is over it all, church. We can trust his sovereignty. And uh, so nothing surprises him. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we looked at this a while back, but uh, before the foundations of the world, God had put his plan into place. Um, and it is, he is working it all out. And so now we come to Galatians chapter 4 this morning. And I want us to look at three, three verses in Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions, adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are a son. And of a son, then an heir through God. <clears throat> Now, as we look at God's sovereignty this morning, I don't want us to make light of verse 4, particularly the first part of verse 4 in the, the words, but when the fullness of time had come. We need to grasp that phrase because it, it is significant. It, is, it speaks to key events. It speaks to key puzzle peoples that were necessary for the preparation and the exact timing of our Lord, his son, to come upon the scene. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about um, some of those key events, some of those key puzzle pieces throughout history um, what the fullness of time encompasses, all right, when it comes to the Christmas story. <clears throat> One aspect of the fullness of time uh, is we see in Jesus' genealogy, okay? If you go to back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, <clears throat> you'll see the genealogy of Jesus through... Um, <clears throat> through the line of Joseph, his uh, father. But I want us to look at verse 1. The Verse 1 says this, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, 
the son of David, the son of Abraham. As you look at that genealogy uh, through um, verse 17, it is going through the line of Abraham and going through the line of David. Uh, Part of the fullness of time, what was necessary was for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham and David. And uh, God had made a promise to Abraham that he was going to be the father of a great nation when Abraham didn't have any kids. And he made that promise in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And uh, that was a puzzle piece in Abraham's life that was very confusing because he didn't have any kids. He was 75 years old. His wife was 65. How in the world was he going to become the father of a great nation? And when God made that promise, God didn't fulfill that promise immediately. He didn't fulfill that promise, in fact, until Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. They had to wait a long time when it was impossible to have kids. In fact, and so here, when we look at the puzzle of Abraham's life, <laughs> how is God going to fill in the blanks? Uh, they were child, childish. Uh, childish, childless. In fact, they tried to help God out. Sarah thought, well, you know what? There's Hagar, this, her, her servant. Uh, Abraham, why don't you have a relationship with Hagar? And let's try to help God out. And in God's sovereignty, he, pro- he provided that piece of the puzzle, but they were trying to fit that piece of the puzzle in a place it didn't go. And you know what? We have been suffering the consequences of that decision ever since then. God wanted to fulfill his promise to Abraham and Sarah on his timetable. And when we are in those circumstances and we don't understand and we're holding the puzzle piece of infertility and it goes somewhere on the puzzle and we don't like it, we are ashamed of it, we want to discard it, you know what? We just need to trust God for it. We don't understand it. We don't understand why it's here. But God wants us to wait on him. And so God did fulfill his promise, Abraham and Sarah. And as we look at the genealogy of Matthew, we see uh, the line of the Messiah coming through the line of Abraham. But not only do we see it come through the line of Abraham, we see it come through the line of David as well. Because God had promised to David that there was going to be a king who was going to sit on the throne of David forever. His, His reign would never come to an end. 
and again. We see that come to fruition through this genealogy. But not only do we see uh, God's promises to Abraham and David, but we also see God's promise he made to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Eve, you're going to have an offspring. And this offspring is going to bruise the head of the serpent. I'm sure Eve thought that this offspring was going to be through his, her first child. It wasn't through her first child. It wasn't even through her generation. It wasn't even through the next generation. Or the generation after that. Or the generation after that. But if you look, you read the genealogy of Luke... In Luke chapter 3, we see that genealogy going all the way back to Adam. And God fulfilled his promise. So not only was God fulfilling his promise to the Jewish people, but In going all the way back to Adam in Luke chapter 3, God is fulfilling his promise to all of humanity. It's to the Gentiles as well. And so we see see this fullness of time um, through the genealogy of Jesus. I I love this picture. I I came across this picture on on Facebook this week. (laughs) You know, it's it's a great way to uh, prepare for sermons is looking at Facebook. But uh, this was was a picture that was uh, painted by a nun in 2003. I love this picture because it's a picture of... It's a picture of representing Eve on the left, and she's holding the, the, the apple or the fruit that she was not to part, partake of. And there's the serpent down the bo- bottom uh, of her in, in bo- representing bondage. And here is Mary on the right um, with the Christ child. The, the the redeemer that was going to take away all of Eve's guilt and shame. This is the prom. This represents the promise that that uh, God had made to Adam and Eve in the Garden Genesis chapter three. That promise took a whole long, a really long time to fulfill. But God saw the big picture. And he knew exactly when his son, who was going to take away our guilt and our shame and bring redemption and forgiveness into our life, he knew exactly when that was going to take place. 
the fullness of time also represents the kings and the armies and the nations that he paraded across the stage of history. How they would have been utterly shocked if they knew that they were being used by the sovereign purposes of God for the birth of Christ yet to happen. Last week we looked at uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, and and uh, Judah going into captivity and how God was behind all of that and God was using that situation that point in history to bring the children of Israel to um, to Babylon and when those when when those people came guess what they also brought the word of God with them. And it, it is not a coincidence that the Magi came to um, uh, worship and give gifts to the Christ child. Those Magi, they knew the word of God. They were well aware of Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 and the 70 weeks. They saw their place in history... Before the birth of Christ, they're looking at Daniel chapter 9, and they're thinking to themselves, you know what, we're in that zone. And they start looking at this. They knew the stars. They knew how to read the stars. And God spoke to them in the astrologer's language. And they knew from Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, that there was going to be one star that rose that would tell them that the sun was now on the scene. And when nobody else could figure it out, when they saw that star in the east, they knew it was time. And it took them, took them some time to get there. But when they came, they came armed with gifts because they knew exactly who they were going to worship. They were going to represent, they were going to worship the king. And they brought gold. And this gold represented not only an earthly king, but it represented a heavenly king. It represented divinity. He was God. They brought incense. They brought frankincense to, uh, it's a symbol of worship. This was, this was a, Christ child worthy of worship. They brought myrrh, an anointing oil for um, preparing the, the body for burial. I'm convinced they knew. They, had, they were very familiar with Isaiah chapter 53. And they knew that this Christ child was one day going to be crucified for the sin of the world. And they knew that this king was to be born a baby. They knew Malachi, the book of Malachi. Why did they go to um, King Herod as to where the location of this birth child is? I don't know. 
They probably knew it was in Bethlehem, but uh, God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know that there's another king in town. And Nebuchadnezzar got really worried, and more scripture was fulfilled following that. But again, God is sovereign over all of it. Here, all, here the children of Israel uh, were led off into captivity. Here is a generation of Jews who is never going to see their homeland again. And they're thinking to themselves, you know, what has God done? Why has this happened in my life? And yet God is behind the scenes working out all the details. And yeah, this generation is not going to be able to go home, but the next generation will. will, And it will be a generation that will never again worship idols again. They will worship the one and only God. But God had a plan. God always has a plan. So we see God working through nations and rulers. You know, When God destroyed the northern kingdom, when God led off into exile the southern kingdom, when those Jews dispersed, you know what? They went into different parts of the world, but where some of them went, new synagogues were birthed. And in these places, uh, people who didn't know God would learn about the one and true God. And God would use these synagogues to help spread the gospel when the disciples and the followers of Christ were being obedient to spread the, the gospel message to the ends of the earth. God used somebody like Alexander the Great. We learn, we read about Alexander the Great or the um, the Greek Empire in the Book of Daniel as well. But that that work with that ruler um, was instrumental in in spreading the the uh, the. The, uh, the known civilization, the, the modern civilization. And uh, God used the Greek empire to help the uh, civilized word, world to learn to speak one language, the language of Greek, uh, in which our Bible is written. God was preparing. This is all part of the fullness of time. And so God was using the Greek Empire. God was using the Roman Empire. Because in the Roman Empire, uh, the known civilization continued to, to flourish. But the Romans were really good at building roads to connect cities uh, to each other. And uh, with all roads leading to, to Rome. And it was through these connections that the gospel was going to be able to spread as well. And then God used uh, a Roman emperor by the name of Caesar Augustus. You know, here it's getting, it's getting really close to the fullness of time. 
um, Mary is great with child. She's about to give birth. But God has a problem. Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth. God, what are you going to do? And God puts it in a mind of Caesar Augustus that a census needs to occur. And uh, the, we know that the Bible says that you know Jesus is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Well, guess where Joseph is originally from? Bethlehem. And it is necessary for Joseph to go back to his hometown to be counted in the census. God was even working through Caesar Augustus to make sure that all of Old Testament prophecy was going to be fulfilled. Church, we serve a sovereign God. And God has been working on his puzzle throughout history and even before history, before the foundations of the world. But you know what? There was one puzzle piece missing. And that was a pretty important puzzle piece. Because this piece was going to have to be altogether different. It couldn't be just like any other piece. This was going to have to be a piece that came from outside of time. For you see, rulers couldn't produce this piece. Israel's ancestry couldn't produce this piece. Um, Politicians, armies, whatever, they couldn't produce this peace. This peace had to come outside of time. And so the Bible says, let's go back to Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. This peace was going to have to be sent from God. Sent forth of of God represents His Son, represents God Himself. And then it also says, born of a woman. And so when God introduces this piece of the puzzle, the piece has to come from God. It has to be sent from God. He has to have the nature of God. But he also has to be born of a woman because he's going to be born under the law. He's going to have the humanity of man. And so when we think of this peace, 
This piece is altogether different. Yes, it represents the humanity of man, but it also represents the humanity of God. This was God in the flesh. And God had to come this way so that he could understand what it's like for you and I to go through the things that we go through. The Bible says that God experienced everything you and I go through. He was tempted in any, any and every way that you and I were tempted, but without sin. He had the ability to sin, but he chose not to sin because he had the nature of God as well. But in his flesh, he had to learn to say no, to be that, that perfect human man that none of us could ever measure up to. so that he could be that perfect sacrifice. But this peace had to come outside of time. It was God who intervened in history at this point in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. For what purpose? Go back to Galatians chapter 4, verse 5 to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. Why did this peace have to come into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Because this was the only way, church, that you and I could experience redemption. You and I could experience forgiveness where our shame, our guilt could be taken away was only through the person of Jesus Christ. Not only to come to redeem us, but he came to adopt us. We become his children, we become the son of God, the woman of God, when we give our faith, our heart, and our life to Jesus Christ. He came to adopt us, and then he came to give us his spirit. He came to live with us. And so, To conclude this message, and I'm almost done. We have no reason in the world, church, to doubt God's sovereignty or watch care in our life. If God, if God did all of that, To bring his son into the world, 
And there are lots of details that he had to oversee. And none of those details caught him by surprise. He knew exactly what was going to happen at what exact time, and it was all part of the puzzle. God knew it all. And if God did all that for our salvation, for our redemption, so that we could become a child of God, that we could be given his, his spirit, my friend, God is in control of your life as well. He knows what he's doing with your life. Now, I, I mentioned that as you read the Bible... All these pieces are filled in according to God's puzzle, except this right down here. Guess where you are? You're right down here. Now, you can't see you, can you? Okay? There's a lot of time that has uh, gone by over these last 2,000 years, but I brought another puzzle. And here you are. You know, you are down here. Okay, but I want you to know that just as as God has been sovereign all over for all pieces of his puzzle for all eternity, God is sovereign over your puzzle as well. But I want to encourage you, not only is he sovereign, he's providential. He's individually caring for you. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 4 again. Jesus came to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I don't doubt for a minute that there were a lot of pieces of God's puzzle that were very painful. That even a lot of God God followers were experiencing themselves. But as God had a relationship with all of those people, guess what? He was providentially watching out over each one as well. So I just want you to think for a moment. When it comes to your life, there's a whole lot of puzzle pieces, aren't there? Some of these puzzle pieces are a lot of fun. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of green areas or blue skies or, you know, wonderful events, whatever those might be, weddings and births and graduations and holidays. We, we love all those pieces, don't we? And we know where they all fit in our puzzle. But then there's some other pieces that are really confusing that are really even scary looking. And we look at that piece and we're confused or we're scared.
scared, we're experiencing it at the moment. And we don't know where it fits on the puzzle. But God's given it to you. And he's telling you, in my sovereignty and in my personal providence in your life, because I love you, I care for you, trust me with this peace. And we just have to lay it down on a puzzle. And we don't know how it's going to connect to everything else. And if it doesn't connect at the moment, don't force it to connect, okay? Like you do with other puzzles you've, you've worked through. You just trust your daddy because he has given you his Holy Spirit. He has given you that that intimacy with the Heavenly Father to cry out to Him when you don't understand. Abba, Father, Daddy. When you don't even have the words to say anything else, Daddy. And guess what? We have a Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. He was born under the law. He knows what it's like for his heavenly father to turn his back on him when he was dying for us on the cross. And all Jesus could do was say, Abba, Father, That's our God. God has it all under control. And just as he's put all the pieces together in the Bible, and there's yet more pieces to fill in, he's providentially looking out over your life. You are not alone. Trust him or what he wants to accomplish in your life. Don't worry. Stop worrying. Worrying doesn't take away tomorrow's trouble. It takes away today's peace. I know where some of you are at. You've got that peace right now. And you don't know what to do with it. For some of you, you're ashamed of this peace. You, you are mortified of this peace. God knows exactly what he's doing. Trust his heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Christmas story that is so amazing.
God, I pray that you would bring Christmas to the hearts of people here in this room this morning. But God, if they're struggling in the moment, you know, you understand. You have a purpose in all of it. God, help us to respond with the mind of Christ. Doesn't mean we're, we're not afraid. Doesn't mean we don't like circumstances. God, we want to trust you. We want to obey. We want to respond in Christ-like maturity. And believe that, God, that you are using this in our life for purposes that are not just going to be a blessing in our life, but for generations that follow us for beady little eyes that are watching us as we parent them. I'm speaking to you. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning, would you just tell Jesus this morning, thank you, Thank you for the puzzle piece that you don't understand right now. Help me to walk by faith and not by sight. Cry out to him, Daddy. He's there for you. God in this time of worship may you be glorified there's one here this morning that needs prayer elders are in the dining hall spouses are in the dining hall take this time for someone pray for you if that's what you need we're here for you this morning if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior Jesus came, he died, he rose again so that you could be redeemed. He wants to adopt you as his child. He wants to give you his spirit. You don't have to live this life alone. But my friend, you have to humbly come to him. You have to admit that you're a sinner and that you need his forgiveness. If you will humbly submit to him, Jesus promises to save you. God, use this time of invitation to encourage hearts to lead people to yourself. In Christ's name, would you please stand with me?